Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. Today we are talking to Jason Buttrell. He's going to tell us what is really going on with Speaker Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan. Is she just a patriot defending democracy or is there something else that we should be talking about? We're also going to get a brief update on what is going on between Russia and Ukraine. He's going to give us his analysis of the Biden administration's successful killing of an al-Qaeda terrorist in Afghanistan. And then we are also at the end going to talk about this George Soros op-ed in the Wall Street Journal and what it means why we should care. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com slash alley for a discount. That's goodranchers.com slash alley. Okay, before we get into that conversation with Jason, which you're absolutely going to love, I mean, he just breaks things down when it comes to foreign policy so well. I do want to give you an update about a story that we talked about at the beginning of the week on Monday about Moms for Liberty. I told you they had been suspended from Twitter temporarily for criticizing a California bill that basically revoked the rights of parents whose kids want to travel to California for quote-unquote gender transition procedures and surgeries. And uh, they also were kicked off PayPal. They don't really know why. PayPal didn't give an explanation, but basically punished them for the views that they have. PayPal has done this to other organizations and individuals who speak out um, against gender ideology, who use PayPal as a way to take donations. And now Governor DeSantis of Florida is fighting back. This is according to FloridaVoiceNews.com. PayPal unfreezes Moms for Liberty funds after DeSantis announces crackdown on woke banking. So here's what the article says. Governor DeSantis announced last week that Florida would begin cracking down on woke banking. Moms of Liberty said many of their donors give automatically via PayPal. Obviously, they weren't able to do that when PayPal froze their abilities to receive those donations. While Governor DeSantis was speaking at their Liberty National Summit on July 15th, they started getting emails that PayPal had stopped processing all of their monthly donors. PayPal froze the organization's $4,500 and wouldn't let them transfer the money out until the IRS had approved the organization's paperwork. I mean, this is really an example of, at the very least, soft fascism. A way to think of fascism is the wedding of corporate and state power to punish dissent. That's exactly what is going on here. And of course, all of the people who said that they are anti-fascist are for this kind of wedding of corporate and government power. Really scary stuff. We saw it in Canada with the trucking protest as well. Moms for Liberty said PayPal had already accepted the paperwork they filed with the IRS. After DeSantis's press conference uh, announcing that he wants legislation passed to prohibit companies like PayPal from discriminating, discriminating against customers, this press conference happened just the other day, uh, PayPal released the funds and began letting Moms for Liberty use them again. So don't you see that it just takes a little strength from the people in power. So for so long, Republicans have just said, oh, no, companies can do what they want to do. That's freedom. That's the free market. Well, now that we now we see that corporations use their power 
They pair it with the government's power. They weaponize it to punish people that do not agree with, that do not go along with the progressive regime. And the only way to fight back, the only way to push back on that is People with power, Republican elected officials saying no and saying, no, we are going to punish the companies that are punishing you, conservative. And so that's what DeSantis is doing. Of course, that's what he did with Disney as well. Fully support this. If this is the new form of conservatism, if this is the new form of the Republican Party, I am 100% on board. So once again, go DeSantis. This is what I like to see. I want to see more Republicans. Uh, uh, leading in this way and following his example. All right, let's direct our sights abroad as we look at what is going on really in Taiwan with Nancy Pelosi and China and all of that complicated mess and what this all really means. But before we get into it, let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Birch Gold. You guys have seen the effects of inflation. You've probably felt it in your house. The recession that is happening, no matter what the White House says, is very real. So you need to make sure that your savings are secure with Birch Gold. It is critical for you to take a hard look at diversifying your savings into gold and silver. Text Allie, A-L-L-I-E, to 989-898. Get a free information kit on how to diversify and protect your savings with precious metals with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. Gold is the right investment to make now. That's Allie to 989-898. Allie, 9 to 989-898. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. Tell us why Nancy Pelosi is going to Taiwan. Why does it matter? <laughs> uh, Taiwan is one of the more interesting things in going on in the world right now, mostly because it's just so ambiguous. Mm. And I think that's a good word because the original, you know, um, our original act, the Taiwan Relations Act, was nicknamed Strategic Ambiguity because it was so confusing. Mm. And it was done that way on purpose, right? It was done that way so that we didn't really know, uh, they didn't really know what we wanted out of Taiwan, uh, vice versa. Um, we didn't want to confront each other on it uh, too much. We kind of just wanted to let it, you hear the word status quo, be, just be what it was, which yeah. was ambiguous right um so that's just the way they were you know uh you know hoping that it remained uh but pelosi going there is is interesting on on many levels because you really don't know what why pelosi does some of the things she does when she does them internationally like yeah. why is the speaker of the house undermining the foreign policy of the president of the united states mm -hmm. i don't like the current president of the united states but even still speaker of the house shouldn't be undermining united states foreign policy it's not it's not her job so how is this undermining united states foreign policy her going there so the official line of united states foreign policy as confusing as it is versus you know as it pertains to taiwan is that it's an unresolved issue it's an unresolved issue it's been unresolved since you know it began around and by unresolved issue you mean that taiwan sees itself as independent china does not see taiwan as independent and china kind of wants to take over taiwan the same way that they took over Hong Kong. And so the U.S. is kind of like, well, we don't know. Right. And, you know, we, we've been trying to stop Taiwan from actually saying, hey, we're sovereign and declaring independence, even though that's what they want. Okay. Uh, we've been trying so to stop So when that the State the Department says, I think as you said the other day, we don't support tai, Taiwan, uh, Taiwan's independence, that's what they mean? 
yes, but you're not really supposed to say that out in the open like right. that. Um, that's why it was, you know, labeled strategic ambiguity because you're not supposed to make a very public statement. When people say, has that basically been the United States? You've probably seen that a lot um, from people like on social media or whatever. A lot of people were, were putting out like a quote said, yeah, that's the way it's been since 1950s. I would say technically yes, but also more ambiguous no, mm. <laughs> right? I mean, and again, um, think of everything going on with Taiwan as like the most confusing Christopher Nolan movies that we've ever seen. Or, you know, like we're like, wait, this could be taken this way, it could be taken that way. China's one, uh, one China policy, right? That is Christopher Nolan's inception. Um, our treaties and our foreign relations and how we deal with them, that's Interstellar, which for me was even more confusing than Inception. Um, and then Ch who actually holds claim to the island of Taiwan, period? Whether it's, you know, uh, the Republic of China, which we can get into that later, which is Taiwan, or if it's China uh, itself. You know, that's Tenet, basically. And it's all confusing and no one understands. But I think a good way to start with is just kind of go back into the history, um, like why this is coming to a head now. But um, basically, the thing between Taiwan and China is the maybe the only unresolved civil war that's still going on. Um, of course, when Mao overthrew the Republic of China, you know, back in the 50s, um, the leadership just picked up left as they were getting beat back and driven to the shore, hopped on boats and went to Taiwan. So the current government in Taiwan has its roots from the Civil War, the government that Mao kicked out, mm. and now they're on Taiwan. Mm. Um, so you can see why this is very symbolic to China. They mm -hmm. never finished the job. Right. This would be like if General Lee in our Civil War didn't give up and said, no, screw you guys, we're going to keep fighting and we're going to take the United States back one day and went to the island of Cuba. Yeah. and just set up and they c continued to call themselves the United States of America or the yeah. Confederate States of America or whatever. And it was still frozen to this day. Right, okay. That's, That's a good comparison to kind of help people understand what's really going on. And some people don't even know what Mao's cultural revolution was. And I know it's hard to sum up in a sentence, but can you just talk about what it was and why there is still so much tension there? Mao's cultural revolution? Yeah. Uh, well, Mao, so, so Mao basically was let you have to destroy your history. You have to destroy everything, all your values, everything that made you who you were, and you have to be brought up in this mold of communism. Um, so everything culturally identifiable to them at the time, they completely destroyed. Um, the people that left Taiwan that were fighting against that, these they were the ones that were you know alive during this area. They were the ones that were fighting against that. Yeah, I'm not going to go to bat for the Republic of China because I'm sure they you know the people that left and went to Taiwan because you know I'm sure they did a lot of messed up things too. Um, but those were the people that were around in that era and then and then left. Yeah, to go Mao there. was a communist in the 20th century, and his Cultural Revolution was basically trying to implement communism everywhere. Mm -hmm. That and the whole Great Leap Forward killed tens of millions of people, not just by killing dissidents as totalitarians always do, but also through famine. So the people that went to Taiwan were kind of rebelling against that communist uh, revolution. And those tensions are still there today because, of course, the Chinese Communist Party is still communist and still holds on to a lot of Mao's values, right? So right. they see Taiwan as a threat. Sure. Um, yeah, an actual threat and a symbolic threat yeah. because they never actually got it done. 
Um, China's one China policy is very interesting to me, too, because everyone has a different kind of description for it. And you've even see, seen that from U.S. leaders as far as people in Taiwan. So Taiwan and China, they don't recognize each other as actual governments. Taiwan doesn't see the PRC as an actual government, you know, government, the people in control of China. And um, China, likewise, does not recognize the Republic of China, Taiwan. Um, so when they say one China, and this was even said way back in the day when, uh, when uh, Nixon and then Carter, and then it was solidified, you know, in 1979 with the uh, Taiwan Relations Act, that, look, everyone agrees that there is one China, that uh, Taiwan, people in Taiwan and the people of China are the same people, and that there can't be more than one China. But the problem is that the, that the wording on our end is very ambiguous because we're not really saying that the people in Taiwan aren't the legitimate government, even though we've told China that we say that the PRC is the legitimate, uh, legitimate uh, government of China. Right. Taiwan thinks that, yes, there is one China. They agree. But they're, they think that they are the ones that, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It is so convoluted and it's so confusing. And that's exactly the way they've kind of wanted it to be. Yeah. Uh, that's why when you have like the, you know, the State Department coming out and saying, no, we do not, you know, support sovereignty. We don't support independence in, in, in Taiwan. That's when you come out and say it so bluntly. You're basically agreeing with the People's Republic of China, with the Chinese Communist Party. Quick pause to tell you guys about Patriot Mobile. I love this company and everything they stand for. They're America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider. They have been on the front lines fighting for your values. That's why Patriot Mobile is different from every other provider out there. Inflation has made it really hard on a lot of Americans. You guys know that. But Patriot Mobile has plans for almost any budget. And they offer the same nationwide coverage as all the major carriers. So you get the same service plus the knowledge, the comfort that your money is going to a company fighting for the sanctity of life, religious freedom, the Second Amendment, rather than a lot of other companies that are actually fighting against those things. So go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie or call 972-PATRIOT. Use the offer code Allie to get free activation. Plus, if you're a veteran or a first responder, there's an additional discount for you. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie. That's patriotmobile.com slash Allie. So what's stopping China from just taking over Taiwan the same way that they took over Hong Kong a couple years ago? So Newt Gingrich went in 1997. China did not like it then, um, but they didn't have the military capability to do it. They still don't really have the military capability to do it, or they would. Um, they're, on a, they're on a timeline to eventually get everything they want. Uh, they were on a timeline to take back Hong Kong. And a lot of people were saying, hey, you know, this is outrageous. You know, it's supposed to be two parties, you know, or two systems, you know, one country. True. But in the agreement with Hong Kong, it was always that China would take full control eventually. There was, I can't remember how many decades it was until the two systems was just going to be thrown out the door. China just accelerated it because they're more in a position to accelerate right now. Um, the thing with Pelosi that really pisses me off is, is that now since China's growing in their military, military capability and economic power, they're accelerating the timeline with Taiwan. So when you when you asked me earlier about you know why uh, Pelosi's uh, 
visit was so important or, or so damaging. That's one of them. You're accelerating a timeline, which is going to be painful. You know, it's people will die when this happens. She's accelerating that timeline. And we don't even know if, uh, you know, why is Pelosi even doing this? Yeah. Is it purely legacy? Because remember, it was back in the, uh, this was right after Tiananmen Square. Remember, she did this big yes. public. Remember that? She yeah. unfurled that thing. Well, I saw a clip that was going around recently, and I think that was people were trying to say, look, she's always been an ally of Taiwan. This is her taking a stand against the CCP, which, look, I'm for taking a stand against the CCP. And if that's what it was for, I'd be happy, I guess, that, you know, for that kind of courage. But it's hard for me to believe that someone who has sold out the United States so consistently to the CCP in a variety of ways, economically and so on, that she would really be taking the stand out of sheer bravery and virtue. Right, and that's that's the left in a nutshell, right? Yeah. They, they they put this mask of virtue on, but what are they doing behind the scenes? And we know what the Pelosi's do behind the scenes. That's what it makes this, this is almost like the Bidens, you know, when uh, they, they talk about, you know, uh, again, being virtuous or just, be, you know, having, the, you know, the country's interests in mind, but you have the president's son flying off with you and doing deals in China or right. doing deals in Eastern Europe and all this stuff. They're crony capitalists is what they are. They're everything the left says they hate, but they are the poster childs for this. And Nancy Pelosi is one of the worst as well. How are we supposed to know what you really want to do when she was headlining uh, that, that CHIP Act to boost, uh, you know, semiconductor production here in the United States? Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that, because that's what a lot of people are saying this is really about. So what does that mean? Well, you know, I don't know if it's what it's really about, but it definitely looks, looks suspicious, right? I mean... And what is that act? So that's supposed to boost semiconductor production in the United States by granting subsidies to, you know, chip companies here in the United States. But what does that have to do with China? Why are people saying that that actually helps China and that this somehow has to do with Pelosi and Taiwan? So Taiwan is by far the biggest semiconductor producer in the United uh, States. Okay. So it's, this is you can see where the conflict of interest are coming in. So there mm -hmm. was that very public uh, selling of her husband's when he sold that NVIDIA uh, stock took a loss. Um, NVIDIA gets all of their chips pretty much from the, the, the largest company in, in Taiwan uh, to, that makes uh, superconductors. She actually, that was part of her trip, is she got a tour of their manufacturing plant like yesterday, hours ago, yeah. I guess. So this could be about <laughs> making her and her husband more money. It, could, it could be. We, yeah. so we don't know. And when they're so, when it's that corrupt and that, you know, it's it's that crony-ish, if that's a word, you don't know what their true motivations are. What we do yeah. know is they've made tens and tens of millions of dollars, the Pelosi family, by gaming the system, right? Yeah. I mean, this this is what we hate about government, right? It's yeah. like, when when they claim to be for everyone, but they all become multimillionaires when they were just regular people when they first got into office. You know, it's it's bull is is what it is. Yeah. But but we don't know, right? So like she's either chasing a legacy or just doing photo ops like she did in Tiananmen Square. Maybe this was her last hurrah, you know, because she's what is she eighty one or something right. like that. Maybe this is her last legacy defining moment. You know, when I stood up to China, even though you're accelerating a timeline. And making it making military conflict closer. Yeah, that's the danger we're talking about, and all for a photo op or for what stock? Yeah, for more stocks. And Taiwan seems 
eager to welcome her. Also, Pelosi, she wrote or someone wrote for her an op-ed in the Washington Post. And I'll just get your reaction to what she says. It's a little bit different than how you're describing it. She says that the Taiwan Relations Act set out America's commitment to a democratic Taiwan, providing the framework for an economic and diplomatic relationship that would quickly flourish into a key partnership. It fostered a deep friendship rooted in shared interests and values. And she says, yet disturbingly, this vibrant, robust democracy is under threat. In recent years, Beijing has dramatically intensified tensions with Taiwan. They've ramped up uh, patrols of bombers, fighter jets, surveillance aircraft uh, near and even over Taiwan's air defense zone. In the face of the CCP's accelerating aggression, our congressional delegation's visit should be seen as an unequivocal statement that America stands with Taiwan, our democratic partner, as it defends itself and its freedom. So that's why she says that she's going. Well, so... Taiwan Relations Act, like I said, was very, very confusing. It right. was very confusing was on ambiguous. purpose. They were not a, democ- a democracy when we did that act. That that came later in the timeline. Um, I think the only reason, well, really the only reason that we had to do it is because the Soviet Union was around at the time and we were fighting a Cold War against the Soviet Union. We wanted, it, it was not only again symbolic but it was also very strategic to have the other largest communist you know entity in the world china opposed to the soviet union so that was a big ally that's why nixon began it in the early 70s it's why carter continued it that was a huge shift in global geopolitics when we brought the chinese in with us against the soviet union that was the only reason we continued to you know try and deal with Taiwan. And before that, it was because we supported the Republic of China. We did not support communist Mao. Um, That was the, it was practical geopolitics. It had nothing to do about feelings and it had nothing to do with, you know, setting a framework for democracy in Taiwan. Had had nothing to do with that. And this is a problem with things that remain that are old, like the Taiwan Relations Act. and it's you saw this, you know, in the in the breakout of World War One, old treaties, old alliances will bring larger conflicts later in line when things change. The world is not what the world was after World War Two. The world is much different. Um, and another example, and we might have talked about this before, but Japan, there's no reason why Japan should still be under a constitution, you know, clause or amendment that says they can't build up their military more that we imposed them on them. MacArthur supervised that. They should get rid of that. It's a legacy of World War Two. They should be the ones countering China and offering friendship and protection to Taiwan. They're right there. They're in right. the region. That should not be us. Yeah, We should not be responsible to grant security for a country that's, what, 10,000 miles away. That should not be us. If you wanna see, and, and you you asked a good question before, why doesn't China, why haven't they just done this already? You know, And why do they think they can do it now? Well, they're pretty much at the point where they can make a significant case that they can pull this off, and that is, you know, take Taiwan. How can we really defend them? And the answer is we could have back then, you know, after World War II or during the Cold War, we could have back then. Right now, I don't know if we could. We could put up a good fight, but you're looking at a country that's right next door to the other country that might invade them. How are we going to cross six to 10,000 miles and put up an adequate defense on that? The world is not the same, it's different. Yeah. And we should not be acting the same way we were post-World War II or during the Cold War or post, in the immediate years post-Cold War. Uh, of being the security grantor for all these people. 
Like, it, it, it really shouldn't be our job. And it even says in the documentation in the Taiwan Relations Act and all the other communiques during the time that, um, look, this is a problem that you, between Chinese people. Chinese people need to figure this out. Chinese people in Taiwan, Chinese people in mainland China. This is something you guys need to figure out. Our security grantee said, look, all we're saying is we don't think that it should be core, co- uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, a kinetic coercion. It shouldn't be violent. There shouldn't be violence. There shouldn't be blockades, none of that stuff. Then we'll come in and help you if it, if it happens. But you need to figure that out. Problem is they're just never going to figure it out. Uh, eventually, it will come down to them, whether militarily or I can't think of any other way they would. But, you know, the two brothers are going to have to fight it out probably and figure it out themselves. Yeah. But the United States should not be the ones, you know, based off of an old treaty uh, that says, hey, we're going to go in. And like, remember, this goes back to the Soviet Union and us yeah. fighting the Soviet Union. How ridiculous is it now that this is leading our foreign policy between yeah. China and Taiwan now? Right. It's insane. And China is obviously upset by this. They said that um, they're running targeted drills, missile tests around Taiwan in response to Pelosi's visit. Uh, said that these operations are designed to safeguard national sovereignty. China vowed to resolutely thwart external interference in Taiwan's independence uh, independence and separatist attempts. 21 aircraft entered Taiwan's air defense zone. U.S. officials have decided, this is all according to Politico, have decided that China's threats are nothing more than an intimidation tactic, but the Pentagon did deploy four U.S. warships, including an aircraft carrier in waters of East Taiwan. I mean, are we looking at a provocation of war with China? Because that kind of freaks me out. Yeah, the the military uh, exercises by China is pretty much what I expected. I didn't think that they were going to do anything to Pelosi, the plane, or even start actually firing missiles or anything. Um, they're not quite ready to do that. This is what they want to do, but they're not quite ready. Do they want a hot war with the U.S.? I think that they'd be willing to do it for over Taiwan because of the symbolic nature of it and what but they But the U.S. Need. should not be willing to do it is what you're arguing. No, 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 no. The, yeah. US, the U.S. is not in a position to carry that out. Yeah. And I'm sure there's, there's going to be tons of people that will disagree with me on and that. Do you feel the same way with, uh, with Russia and Ukraine? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do agree that the world is changing. People need to come to that agreement as well. We're, it's not a unipolar world anymore. And that we should not be going around, as you said, being the, you know, the safeguards for countries that need it. Right. We shouldn't be the grander of security for all these people anymore. Yeah. Um, that That is not the world, even though all these people, and you'll hear it from, you know, foreign policy, you know, experts on mainstream media, they're still talking as if it is 1985. Yeah. Or the end of the Cold War, 1991 or two. Right and left. That's right and left. Exactly right. That, 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 we are not that country. The world is not that world. Yeah. Um, China is is more than capable of of trying to do this and probably can do this. We are not capable of responding to everything else that is going on in the world and coming out victorious everywhere. We're yeah. just not. Like I said, it's not a unipolar world anymore where the United States is the sole is the sole superpower capable of pretty much doing whatever they want to do with no other country being able to respond. Yeah. Some of these countries now are capable of responding. Some of these countries are forming other alliances, you know, to counter us and they're yeah. more than capable of doing it. Yeah. It's now a multipolar world, right? And that's the reality. And and really, that that's pretty much where it should be. There shouldn't be one nation in the world running off to take care of all these other all these uh, problems. 
other countries can take care of their own problems. We've got plenty of problems we have here at home that we should be focused on. All right, I'm excited to tell you guys about Healthy Cell. Healthy Cell is the next generation of dietary supplements. If you take supplements and multivitamins like I always have, and if you've taken them in pill form like I always have, now is the time to change. Studies show that you don't absorb most of the nutrients in pills, not to mention they can be hard to swallow. And let's face it, vitamins you can't absorb are a waste of money and time. That's why doctors and nutritionists created Healthy Cell, a great tasting ingestible gel with 165% more absorption than pills. Let me give you an example. Research has shown that distractions not only hurt productivity, but they can lead to higher stress and a bad mood, which means focus and concentration are shaping up to be the new superpowers for 21st century professionals. In 2008, the average amount of concentrated time on a task without distraction was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds. That's less attentive than that's less attentiveness than a goldfish. Healthy Cells Microgel ensures maximum absorption of exactly the sort of premium nutrients you need to help support focus, recall, mental speed, and rapid learning. If it's optimal brain performance you want, check out Healthy Cell. Go to healthycell.com slash Allie. That's healthy, C-E-L-L dot com. Use code Allie for 20% off your first order. Healthycell.com slash Allie. And America is not what it was in 1985. I'm not even sure there's a will to be that country that's running around to other countries. And I'm not sure if our military has the capability or the willpower. I mean, think about the cultural rot that has infected a lot of the military, even though a lot of them are still some of the best people in the country. I mean, I also doubt our capability to do the things that it seems like our elected officials want us to do, which is, as you said, be the guarantors of safety and security for the world. I just, I'm not sure that we can even do it if we, if we wanted to. It's funny you say that because yesterday I was watching all the developments going on and there was one article that popped up, you know, in my feed that said, you know, the United States Air Force is, you know, ready and willing to respond if needed. Very second article I saw said, U.S. Air Force hosts drag queen story hour yeah. on base, blah, blah, blah. I was like, are you kidding me yeah. right now? Yeah. And their recruiting numbers are so far down. Yeah. Because, I mean, who wants to enter the military as, I mean, they're so often working class, young men, very often young white men who are now hearing from top officials in the military that they are going to be analyzing and dismantling what they see as white rage and toxic masculinity in the patriarchy. I mean, who wants to serve that country? Who wants to serve that military? It's yeah. sad. I just want to get your um, quick reaction analysis um, to the al-Qaeda leader, Iman al-Zawahari, um, that was apparently killed by U.S. forces. Is this a win? What do you think? Um, I'm glad he's dead. Yeah. Uh, so you can take a win from that. Uh, one of the, that definitely deserves to be a headline, but there needs to be another headline right next to that headline that says Al Qaeda reestablishes its base of operations in Afghanistan. Yeah. Which I did not really see that. Uh, I don't think at all when, right after that happened, mm. this guy got killed in a posh neighborhood in Kabul, the capital. Uh, not in some deserted farmhouse, you know, out in a desert somewhere where, you know, he was trying to hide. He was not trying to hide, right? He, who was he meeting with when he was there? Was he meeting with the Taliban defense secretary or whatever he's called? Uh, was he meeting with the other radical, 
Al Qaeda is radical enough, but the more radical militant arm of uh, Al Qaeda in Afghanistan called the Haqqani Network. Was he meeting with them? Probably. Yeah, probably. Um, what a tragedy. Uh, everything that we fought to get rid what of. What a there. tragedy in that. Uh, Al Qaeda is now back yeah. in the capital of Afghanistan and right. operating so openly. That's Much insane. thanks to our disastrous policy and pull out last year a year ago i guess it was a year ago now right yeah yeah exactly a year ago yeah and i think pretty much everyone agreed that we needed to get out of there we needed to pull out that was not the question the question was yeah. how we did it yeah and the way they did it it looked as if the biden administration was doing it again as a symbolic something for his for biden's legacy or for the democrats it was almost like they were looking for some kind of political win or something like that and forced this issue way too early and strategically i can't even imagine how our military general signed off on what went down just catastrophic absolutely mm -hmm. catastrophic but yeah the the, the killing of of, of the al-qaeda leader I, I, like I said, I'm glad he's dead. He was a bad guy. A new leader will rise up. They probably already declared who that is. And they're still operating out of Afghanistan as if it was the year 2000, hmm. um, which is just insane. Yeah, just insane. Um, give us an updated analysis of what's going on between Ukraine and Russia, if you can. A lot of people saw and were very put off by, to say the least, the Vogue spread um, of Zelensky and his wife. It just seemed a little out of touch. There was a little most, out of touch. There was the most ridiculous uh, photo in that spread. They were, they were all ridiculous, right? But the, the worst one was she was like in this like very expensive coat, you know, and she was like gazing off into the distance and there was like this war-torn scene behind her and a couple of troops, you know, looking off in different directions. I was like, how ridiculous was that photo shoot? Yeah. They basically went out to some place. I'm sure it was safe wherever they were at or she of wouldn't course, be there. Of course. But they brought in these soldiers to be like prop to pieces. Pose. And like, yeah. hey, take take some time off the war just so you can pose here with the first lady or whatever she's called over there. Absolutely ridiculous. Totally tone deaf. But he's a showman, right? Um Zelensky, which is kind of funny now because the mainstream media is starting to criticize him a little bit. Yeah, which I, I, find I think interesting. I've seen a couple of things. I haven't really looked deeply into it because I've kind of been, you know, about it for the past few months. But I have kind of noticed that some mainstream outlets have criticized him a little. Well, now it's now it's back in style that you can acknowledge the fact that Ukraine's an incredibly corrupt country. Yeah. All of a sudden, which is weird, because we've given Ukraine a blank check. Like, right. how many times do you hear Biden okay's another five hundred million dollars? Like, what? I think just yesterday, just yesterday, I saw yeah. tens yeah. of millions of dollars, and I've heard from Ukrainians actually that the money is just being laundered. I think it was Ron Paul. I'm going to butcher the quote, but he said foreign aid is money sent from poor people in rich countries to rich people in poor countries. And that seems to be what's happening here, as it happens in most cases when we send tens of millions of dollars to these poor war-torn countries in the name of compassion. Every time you hear about another several million or billion dollars going to Ukraine right now, everyone should Google $1.8 billion goes missing or whatever in Ukraine, $1.8 billion of aid. And this was after 2014, after that, you know, their uh, little revolution, we gave them $1.8 billion. It went missing out of their state bank, Privat Bank. And then they think that it got laundered through Cyprus and other shell companies. 
but we continue to give them money. But I think it's funny now, though. But now they're bringing that up. They stopped talking about that alley when the president's uh, son, then vice president's son, started dipping his toes into some of that corruption through Burisma and all that. Yeah. Then they didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to talk about it. And then as Biden was running for president, they definitely didn't want to talk about it. They were shutting down articles, the New York Post laptop article. They were shutting down some of these articles that might expose some of that involvement. But now, as we kind of see people are turning against Biden, now they're turning on the lights again. Now they're like, oh, maybe we can't talk about this stuff again. You know, maybe yeah. we can't bring that up. But the situation in Ukraine is is interesting because Russia has, the, economically, they're not in a great spot. To be a great power. Russia? Russia. Okay. To be a great power, you need to have a strong economy, you have a strong military. They don't have a strong economy, but they were banking on that they had this strong military and the world perceived them as being strong militarily. And that is completely thrown out the window in Ukraine. They did not look like a professional military force at all. Hmm. They had basic problems. Uh, they did not, you know, um, for the military people listening to this right now, the, the com combined arms and their ability to uh, uh, ex execute combined arms. That's, you know, troops on the ground, artillery, planes, all that stuff, make it work cohesive. They did not do that at all, as if they'd never even looked at it or even heard about it. Wow. They had, you know, conscripts out on the front lines just kind of walking around aimlessly. They got their butts kicked in the beginning of this war. They really did. It was a sh they wanted to do a shock and awe, you know, thing, and they got their butts kicked and they got driven all the way back to the areas where they kind of pretty much already controlled in eastern yeah. Ukraine. So what's happening right now and how is it going to resolve? Is it going to be, uh, be resolved? Yeah, Russia, if they wanted to, could really make their country suffer and just put overwhelming, you know, numbers at this and possibly come out more on top than they are right now. I don't know. That's that's a big if because yeah. I don't, they're already running out of munitions, like smart munitions, things like that. And then people are just kind of getting pissed off and just annoyed with it, I, yeah. I think. Um, but the West, the United States has provided a lot of weapons, a lot of good weapons, smart weapons, effective weapons, that they're at least showing that, hey, if you want to stick around for this for a while, we're going to make this as painful as possible for you. I still think that this ends in some kind of treaty that helps Putin save face, but is, is going to give Ukraine some relief, but they're not going to be completely happy with it. So it's going to be something where, you know, they agree to cede Eastern Ukraine or formally yeah. say, okay, fine, you have Crimea or something like that, where Putin can say, see, our special military operation worked. We got what we wanted. I, I gave you what we delivered. But that is not at all what he wanted. He wanted Ukraine. He wanted to topple the government. He's not going to get that. So in my opinion, eventually, and I hate making predictions, but I think the the most plausible outcome would be that. They maintain control of East, that little sliver in eastern Ukraine and they formally get, you know, ceded Crimea. All right, lots of sponsors today. That's a good thing. That's what allows you to watch and listen to the show for free. And our next sponsor you are very familiar with, that is Good Ranchers. All right, Good Ranchers, you know, it's American meat delivered right to your front door. They've got chicken, they've got beef, all different kinds of cuts of steak. They've got seafood delivered on dry ice to your front porch. You put it in the freezer, then it's good to go. But it's not just good meat. They're also giving back. This August, they are on a mission to donate 100 
5,000 high-quality meals to young children who often go unfed or end up malnourished from poor access to nutritious food. You can join this campaign by ordering a box of their 100% American meat. Every order contributes meals to this cause. It makes a huge difference in the lives of these kids. Good Ranchers is an award-winning food delivery service that will bring that amazing, ethically raised, sustainably sourced meat right to your front door. When you go to goodranchers.com slash Allie, you get $30 off your order plus free shipping, giving back never felt or tasted so good. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie or use my code Allie at checkout for $30 off. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie, goodranchers.com slash Allie. Well, to bring our focus back home just really quickly, just because I wanted to cover this today and I want to get your reaction to it. Um, You mentioned earlier that we've got a lot of problems to be fixing and addressing here. One of those problems is, of course, George Soros and his attempt to, quote unquote, reform prosecutors. I don't know if you saw that he wrote an op-ed in The Wall Street Journal, and he said, people have had enough of the demagoguery and divisive partisan attacks that dominate the debate and obscure the issues. Gosh, just makes me roll my eyes. The system is rife with injustices that make us all less safe. The idea that we need to choose between justice and safety is false. So basically, what he's talking about here. He's addressing the criticism that, of course, he and his foundations have gotten for funding these progressive DAs in these blue cities that are not prosecuting crimes, that are allowing people back into the streets pretty much based on their skin color. They're meeting these arbitrary quotas and saying, okay, we've arrested too many black people this year. We're no, we're not going to arrest. We're not going to prosecute. We're not going to keep them in jail, basically catch and released. And the recidivism rate, of course, is very high. People are being murdered. I see stories every day. People are being murdered by someone who should have been in jail if our justice system worked. And a lot of this is due to the funding of George Soros of these progressive DAs. And so basically he's saying, look, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop doing this, even though in the cities with the top 10 cities with the most murders per capita, um, if you look at the uh, the politics of the district attorneys, they are all Democrat. The mayor is Democrat, even if the states are Republican, St. Louis, Baltimore, Birmingham, Detroit, Dayton, Ohio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Kansas City, Memphis, Cleveland, all run by Democrats, many of them funded by George Soros. He's not going to stop. I mean, if anyone cared about this country who is in charge, what he's doing would be barred, prohibited, illegal, but it's not. What's your take on all of this? Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Think about any other country. How would they react if a foreign Foreign. billionaire goes around basically inciting chaos on your largest cities? Right. How would they react? We can barely even discuss this. Like this conversation right now. Remember remember Fox News and Newt Gingrich brought this up and they cut him off? Yes. They cut it. Fox Fox, News. Fox News. Fox News said, oh, no, 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 no. That's a conspiracy theory. I've been told, of course, before, but by left-leaning people, that's an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. He paid, I think it was 29 or $30 million what, what Soros has spent on some of these district attorneys. It's absolutely ridiculous. I th- that, in that In his little op-ed, I mean, it's just, it, it was ripe with just inconsistencies and hypocrisy orwellian double speak i mean he was talking about so he 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 acknowledges mental health 
Right. So he's like, yeah, the mental health issues, you know, and so that's why some of the, you know, there's chaos, not because of my district attorney is not processing, uh, prosecuting. So mental health is one of the, is one of the reasons. So the, the, the cure for that and his district attorneys is less laws and less action yeah. on the streets. But he also mentions gun crime. He mentions, oh, yeah, and an overwhelming amount of guns. So more laws for that. He won't acknowledge mental health on some of the on some of the gun cr- crimes and some of the mass shootings. Where's the consistency there? Right. It's obviously this is completely partisan. You're trying. So my completely tinfoil hat thing is that he. uh, Is anything even really tinfoil hat anymore? Not anymore. I mean, conspiracies just keep on coming true. They all come true. Eventually, it's nuts. But everything that we've already talked about or just hypothesized because some of this stuff doesn't make sense. Why would they do this? But like this does not make sense unless you want the judicial system to completely come crashing down. Of course. You want chaos. You want anarchy. Because why would he be funding that here? He's not an American. Of course, I think that he has an interest in the collapse of America and Western civilization and has for a very long time. He's not funding these progressive DAs. I mean, maybe he is in some other countries, but I don't think that he is funding the same kind of lawlessness in China. So I think someone should ask themselves why here. Yeah, well, the, the Chinese system is exactly what they want. It's the same people, the guys over True. in Davos, World Economic Forum. They're all billionaires themselves. Yeah. They're all the elite of the elite. They've already made their money. They've made their power. Now they want a system like China where you have to have a government official in every single company. You have to have a government. So and you want to bring everybody down to parity while you stay at the very, very top. It's the socialist, you know, you know, the communist scheme. system in a, in a nutshell. But it's different. It's it's more like, you know, 21st century fascism. It's yeah. it's 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 cause know. chaos. So people can say someone save us. Government step in and do something and then they take their power and that's it. And give these private companies the illusion that they really own their property and their business when we tell them everything what to do. And equity and social justice is the Trojan horse by which they're accomplishing all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we do have a lot to focus on here in the U.S., but thank you for giving us um, an analysis of everything that is going on around the globe. (laughs) <laughs> no, it was it was great. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Jason, so much for coming on. I encourage people to follow you. You're on Twitter and all that good stuff, and people can catch you there. Thank you. All right, last sponsor, then we'll have a little outro, then we'll be out of here until tomorrow, telling you again about Blaze socks. So if you're into socks or someone in your life is into cool socks that have a message, maybe conversation starting socks, patriotic socks, then Blaze TV has got you. They've got um, a World Economic Forum socks. You're kind of, you know, making fun of Klaus Schwab there, which of course we love to do. It says, you will you will eat the bugs. My husband and I both have those socks. And then you've got your Ron DeSantis riding an alligator socks. It says own the libs. Duh. Love it. We also have Trump in a little MAGA crown. And so all different kinds of socks with these fun designs. They're all 100%, including the packaging, made in the U.S. That was really important to Blaze TV to ensure that. And so 100% American socks that are also awesome and patriotic. If you are a Blaze TV subscriber, 
You can use promo code BLAZESUB for 20% off your purchase. If you're not a subscriber, um, you can subscribe to Blaze TV now and use promo code ALLYSOCKS to save both on your Blaze TV subscription and get 20% off these limited edition socks. Time to go shopping. Go to blazesocks.com to scope out the socks, get a free or get a pair uh, for a deserving dad, a grad, or that person who just needs a new pair of socks and a laugh. Maybe that person is you. That is Blaze TV or BlazeSocks.com. BlazeSocks.com. All right, guys. Hope that you enjoyed that explanation from Jason. I told you he breaks it down really well. If you want him to come back on for a part two to kind of get into more detail of anything that we talked about, we had a limited amount of time. There are a million questions I could have asked him. Um, so we'll bring him back if that's something that you that you want us to do. I know you guys love him as a guest. Tomorrow, we are going to be talking about all of these stories that you are hearing that these women are unable to get miscarriage care. They're unable to get ectopic pregnancy care. I'm going to talk to a journalist who just wrote an almost 5,000 word piece for National Review looking at each and every abortion law and figuring out whether that law is actually causing this prevention of care or inhibition of care for these women that are suffering from miscarriages or ectopics. And if not, if it's not the law's fault, then what is really going on here? What's going on here with the lawyers, with the doctors, with the hospitals, with uh, the insurance companies? We're going to analyze all of that tomorrow and get a lot of insight and clarity from Alexandra DeSanctis. Um, if you haven't checked out our merch, make sure you do that. We've got lots of fun stuff. Um, Uh, We'll include the link in the description today so you can check that out. And we will see you guys back here tomorrow.